Welcome to Thriving with ADHD, a podcast where we'll share everyday practical tips to thrive in life as an adult with ADHD. This podcast is brought to you by Animosano Psychiatry, a behavioral health practice with a specialist ADHD clinic based in North Carolina. And this is your host, Nada Pupovac. And we are back. So um, thanks for sharing your uh experience and your insights from the Baltimore conference. I think those are just fantastic. And uh, I would like, I know we touched on your own uh, coping strategies, uh, but because this podcast is all about giving people tools and um, practical advice on how to cope with the condition on daily basis. I would like to learn more about uh, your techniques, your tricks uh, to uh, just organize your life and accommodate the condition uh, into it. So please go ahead. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, I guess there's a few other things I want to say first Mm -hmm. about ADHD because Okay. When out in the community, people are arguing whether it's a disability, mm-hmm. a difference, a difference or a superpower. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be all three things, depending on where you are on your journey. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of other factors that can affect that. First thing to realize is to be diagnosed with the condition as an adult, you have to have five out of the 18 symptoms. Mm-hmm. Some people will only have five. Some mm-hmm. have all 18. Okay. Right there makes a huge difference. The okay. severity of the symptoms and which symptoms you have, those all make a difference and make us different from each other. The mm-hmm. other thing is Dr. Sam Goldstein says he thinks it's like 80% genetics and 20% environment. Mm-hmm. So we need to look at the environment a child is born into. If they're born into a family that has, uh, is it an intact family that cares about exercise, eating habits, sleeping habits, cares about managing the home well, the child is uh, brought up and uh, is loved. All these things are the environmental factors. They're going to have a profound impact too on how your ADHD gets expressed. Again, as you mentioned earlier, Nada, a lot of people have co-occurring conditions. They could have more than one co-occurring condition. They could have learning disabilities. All those things are gonna make you think my ADHD is a disability Mm -hmm. or it's a difference or it's a superpower. Mm. Now, some of us are born with more what I call assets. If you're intelligent, if you're attractive, if you have a special skill, Mm -hmm. those things are going to help you. And so some of my strategies were just things I was given because I was born into a well-off family Mm. in in a small community. I liked athletics. I wasn't, I was an average student. I mean, I got all B's and an A in gym. But mm-hmm. I, my brother and sister were in the top group. So mm-hmm. I always wondered why I wasn't. I didn't know why. But I'm just saying a lot of my strategies were just my life. When I look back, 
I say that younger kids get medication, but they don't get the structure. Mm. And I got the structure because my mother was a homemaker. I was supposed to be home. I was supposed to do homework. I mean, uh, work chores around the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we went to bed at a certain time. There was just, there was structure, which helps you. You learn those habits. I think if you are born up with, raised with structure. Um, but when I had my own family, and my husband is a was a surgeon, I would try to have the dinner at a certain time, but we couldn't. He wouldn't be home yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were things I couldn't I couldn't provide as much structure because I had ADHD, but I couldn't provide as much structure for my children because of outside factors. But mm-hmm. I think think um, having that structure in your life, like routine, mm-hmm. uh, just for some of us, I love certain routine because it makes, I don't have to think about it. I can do it mindlessly. I know every morning I'm having oatmeal for breakfast Mm -hmm. and I don't have to think, oh, what's for breakfast? Do Mm -hmm. I have it in the refrigerator? I just, and I know that when I'm feeling well enough, I go to exercise every morning right after breakfast because if I don't do it, then I won't get it done. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and those things, and, and I do the same exercises every day. Even then I forget some of the steps, but it's so much easier for me to just do something over and over again. And I don't mind where it's bizarre on other things. I would get so restless and bored if I had to do something over and over again. It's just a mix. There's some things that I guess are almost soothing because I don't have to think about it. Mm. But the other things where... I have to think about, I, I, you know, you just don't like routine tasks, but, but I don't call those things my routine tasks. They're just my habits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think right there, you gave us a few other bits of advice uh, yeah. that can help people. Uh, so we, uh, in, our, in our clinic, uh, our practice, uh, we are big on health, uh, healthy, uh, nutrition, and we are also big on, um, e- incorporating exercise into daily routine. Uh, and as you said, yes, medication is number one and important, but there are other things and strategies that are not medication related that can help you, uh, manage the condition and not uh, right, starting the day with a healthy meal and exercising daily, which you are doing, are the right steps in that in that direction. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah well, so we, we, we interviewed a family physician. He's very well known in the field of ADHD. Yeah, and he was saying that you don't have to think I do one or the other. Yes. they're they're additive. The more Absolutely. of them you can do, the more of them you put in your, your life, the meditation, the eating right, the getting the right sleep, they all are helpful to a person. I mean, anyone, but it seems more significant when you're ADHD. Yeah. And what you get out of that is a feeling that you can, you can be in control. You that's, know, a, that- that's a brilliant thought, actually. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And then uh, I suppose it gives you a sense that you're accomplishing something 
that yes. you're not a complete failure and uh, uh, it helps you boost your self-esteem. So Right. It's all, all right. tied in. It That's is. Why absolutely. I, I create, for myself, I have this image of a circular staircase and it curves mm -hmm. up and around and you keep can going higher. So, well, that's even on the cover of my book, but mm -hmm. that's how I describe it. You take one step and you incorporate it. It becomes part of you. It becomes part of your um, self-belief, I guess, mm -hmm. is I can do this. And then you take the next step. And meanwhile, you're incorporating all these new self-beliefs of I can, I can put my credit card away. I can uh, make it so I don't lose my keys. I can make it so that my kitchen is always tidy. I can make it so when I'm ready to go out, my clothes are presentable and I'm not rushing to mm. iron something. You know, all these little things that mm -hmm. gave you the message that I'm incompetent, yes. you reverse them and slowly you start saying, I'm competent. Yes. Yes. I, I would like to... Uh summarize everything we talked about and um if there if there is one takeaway one thing that you would like our listeners to remember from this episode what that would be for me i think the most important thing is to stop your self-talk negative self-talk mm, mm. if you can just focus on one thing and every time you hear yourself saying something critical about yourself, yes. you just stop. And if you can just stop, that in itself is going to make a huge difference. But then beyond that, you can start acknowledging yourself. You can start seeing areas where you're proud of yourself. Mm. And you need to start acknowledging that. Yeah. And so... Two books helped me. One is called Learned Optimism. And it's an old book, but it's a classic mm -hmm. where you realize when something goes wrong, you don't start catastrophizing and say, oh, I mess up every time. I'm never going to do it right. You know, I'm just, I'm a failure. You, even when something goes wrong, you analyze and say, what went wrong? What can I do to make it different the next time? So you keep yourself in a forward, not a discouragement, but a learning process. Yeah. And then the second thing was reading Strength Finders 2. And it's a book that goes through all the different kinds of strengths that people have and how if you have those strengths, you benefit a group. Mm -hmm. So when I read that and you take this quiz, I learned one of my strengths was ideation. Did I have good ideas? Mm. And knowing that's one of my strengths, I become more willing to bring it to a group because that's my contribution to the group. Yeah. And so I think learning what what your special gifts are mm -hmm. and, and developing the confidence to bring them forward mm. is part of that too. Um. So those, those two things, uh, the, yeah. stopping the negative self-talk, slowly introducing the positive self-talk, and 
learning assessing, your strengths. Yeah. Assess assessing or learning or knowing what your strengths are and just go more into those. Yeah. Why? I mean, I couldn't learn a foreign language. I tried in high school to learn German. Even after two years, I wasn't good enough. So when I went to college, I had to take beginning German again mm. because you have to have two years of language in college. Mm -hmm. Not is not required now. I always wanted to play a musical instrument. I took piano lessons for three or four years. I tried the guitar. Mm. I, I I can't do either thing. And so part of me could say, you know, I'm I'm a failure. I can't do these things that mm -hmm. I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Or I could say, there's some skills I just, it's not worth it for me to keep trying to butt my head against mm -hmm. a wall for something where I'm not making good progress. And to find the areas where you do make progress. Yeah. That's That's how you, and so, yeah, for me, I guess it's writing, writing. I'm trying to think what my self-esteem is built on these days. <laughs> and some of it is, I think I, I don't have children at home and my life is easier. I have a tidy house. So you walk around a house that's tidy. That's always, uh, you know, a good uh, reinforcer. <laughs> I'm able to show up for appointments on time. Uh, I'm usually, you know, I know what I'm doing. That's brilliant. And, and I've learned the things I've been challenging with, we finally hired an administrative assistant. And so, oh, I guess I could give you this example. Maybe other women relate to this. But when I was home all the time, mm -hmm. my house was still not tidy. Mm -hmm. And my husband was willing and wanted me to hire someone to come do housekeeping. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to because it would further undermine my self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Like what? You're home all the time and you can't keep a house clean? So I think you just need to let go some of those societal judgments and mm -hmm. say, I need to be in my strengths. And that's the only way my life is going to feel fulfilling. If I keep trying to do things where it's super hard for me. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to wear myself out and discourage myself. Thank you. Thank you, Cynthia, uh, for these lessons, for you, uh, sharing your experience and what worked for you. Um, and um, if people want to uh, find out more about your work and yourself, uh, how they can do it? So during COVID, I just thought I had a friend that sent me a memoir and I thought, oh, this will be fun. I'll something new and different to do because in Washington State we were isolated. We were supposed to stay home, mm -hmm. and I started out writing it for my children, mm. but then it just evolved. I had hired a professional to read it. He said it should be about my life within a ten of ADHD, mm. and plenty during that process, I went because I'd been away from the world of ADHD for 10 years. So mm -hmm. I left when I was 68. Now I was 78. Mm -hmm. And I went back to learn about it, found it, this woman who was so angry, she had been undiagnosed mm -hmm. uh, because she had been sent for help. She had gone to see therapists. 
school personnel and no one recognized her in a tent of ADHD. So even though she was 23, which mm -hmm. seemed, to me seems young to find out, mm -hmm. she was angry she hadn't found out sooner. So that got me to start this nonprofit, which is the Inattentive ADHD Coalition. Mm -hmm. Because even though it's listed in the DSM, as soon as people talk about ADHD, they're talking about the high energy people. Mm. And that right away excludes the people who are inattentive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So our whole website is just about inattentive ADHD. Because if you go to other websites, you're going to read confounding information. Where I said, it's harder for you to identify yourself because you're reading stuff that is really discussing the combined type. But our website is totally about inattentive type. And the book I wrote is about my life. It's a memoir, but it's also a self-help book. Mm -hmm. Can you and, tell us the name of the book and where people can buy it, uh, where you have it on Amazon or? Uh, yeah, it's on yeah. Amazon mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be an Amazon in all the countries where Amazon is. Mm -hmm. I, I don't check on that. Okay. Um, the book is just called Living Within a Ten of ADHD. Mm -hmm. And I'm the author, Cynthia Hammer. Mm -hmm. And your ADHD uh, coalition, uh, are you on social media if people want to follow you? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, Instagram, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I think Twitter. Okay. Um, so, and, and, we have a YouTube channel where we've mm -hmm. produced so far 25 videos that are interviews with adults who got diagnosed late in life with their ADHD. And we're trying to collect information on how they could have been diagnosed earlier. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. not like one thing, you know, like yeah. he's hyperactive and disruptive. To identify someone with the inattentive type, it's more a lot of little clues that someone puts together and say, hmm, this might be inattentive ADHD. Mm. But we feel that the boys and girls with inattentive type could be diagnosed at age seven. That's the average age of the children getting diagnosed now, although they're the mostly the combined type. Mm -hmm. They could be if people knew what to look for. And that's what we want to make them more aware of what to look for. The doing an incomplete paper, not hearing what the teacher says in class because you're tuned out, uh, being restless, getting out of your seat a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the girls said that they talked a lot that that was their way of keeping themselves engaged was through a lot of talking. But our feeling, as I said earlier, if the teacher is aware of the bell curve, she will see the children that are off the bell curve. Mm. And those are the ones she should be looking at. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I absolutely enjoyed this conversation. We learned so much from you. Thank you mm. so much. And the, you're welcome to come back and talk more uh, <laughs> about other topics whenever you want. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, you, you will I, be well, always welcome. <laughs> 
at the conference, I sold out my book. So now I don't good. have a single one. You. I want to hold it up. I want to hold it up to show people, but I, I don't. Anyway, go look for it, please. And yes. the thing I wanted to say about my book yeah. is because I shared, I guess, what you, we would call a lot of our shameful behaviors. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I said, what I don't care. You know, if people judge me, if people, whatever. But I think it gives a full picture. And I think it's especially helpful if you have family members who don't believe it or don't understand it. Because this will give them the full picture of how it impacts you to lose things, how it impacts you to forget things, how it impacts you in so many ways that they might not be recognizing Again, in this, you know, talk, we got so much encouragement from you, mm. so many insights, and I'm absolutely positive that people listening to this will benefit from everything you said. Oh, you're and, very and kind. No you're problem. Very you're very kind. welcome. <laughs> and the, and the yes, um, uh, again, I applaud your bravery to mm. step out. Um, you know, uh, to, in a way, expose yourself. It is mm-hmm. uh, yeah. expose yourself, uh, but uh, for the benefit of others. So, yeah. something really, really to admire about you, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, I let you go now, uh, but yeah. hope to talk to you. Uh, you know, in a in a future very soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, very good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Thriving with ADHD. This show is produced by Animal Sano Psychiatry. Please follow, rate, or share our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other streaming app of your choice. Music is by Daddy's Music from Pixabay. For more information about Animal Sano Psychiatry, please visit animalsanopsychiatry.com.